Our scripture reading today comes from Luke 10, verse 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be done. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Church, will you join me with our church-wide memory verse for the month of May, and then our um, church-wide prayer after. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself, Galatians 5, 14, and our church-wide prayer. Father, unleash the power of the Holy Spirit who brings spiritual breakthrough in my life, in our church family. Gracious Father in heaven, we give you praise and thanks for today. We thank you for all of the ways, Lord, that you show up in our lives and you show love to us. Lord, as we continue with this study on loving our neighbors, we ask that not only here in this church, but throughout the community, you would anoint the speaker with bold confidence to proclaim the gospel and to... um, Highlight, Lord, the commandment to love our neighbors. We pray, Lord, that you would open up the hearts and the ears of the people that are here and the people in churches throughout our community. We ask that you would, through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, not let one word fall to the floor, but that they will be used to direct and change, transform the body of Christ here, Lord, throughout the community as well, so that we may be a community that loves our neighbors abundantly. In your holy name, all God's people say, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Do you remember back in the mid-80s, there was a movement that went across our country called random acts of kindness. I remember it well because I caught the wave of random acts of kindness in the mid-80s and I began to just randomly love on people, giving them cookies, cakes, flowers, finding ways to be kind to them. My husband and I lived in Buffalo, New York at that time and we used to travel on the New York State Thruway and we always brought boxes of candy with us so we could give them to the toll booth operators. 
And you would just not believe the look of surprise and thankfulness during that period of time. Random acts of kindness. In the mid-90s, I accepted Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And random acts of kindness simply were not acceptable anymore because I understood that through the love of Christ poured out in my life, I was to be intentional about loving our neighbors. It was a big shift within me because I understood that my neighbors, the people in my workplaces, the people in stores, the people on airplanes, wherever I encountered people, I understood them to be divine appointments and that I should love on them intentionally with the love of Christ. Shortly after accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior, we moved to Northeastern Ohio, and we moved next door to a family that had two little boys, Evan and Dylan. And I was delighted to have neighbors to love on intentionally, and I began inviting the boys over to play. And the boys came every single day. I was a mother of two little girls, so I didn't know the culture of boys, and I didn't know the behavior of boys. I never knew how much energy boys had. I never knew how much food boys ate. I never knew what a mess boys could make. I never knew how much noise came out of boys. And I never knew how quickly boys could break toys. And I never knew how happy the mommies of boys were when they went to someone else's house to play. <laughs> my gracious heart to love on my neighbors became overshadowed. I couldn't get rid of these boys in my house. They simply never left. When I would ask them to go, the younger one, Dylan, he would scowl at me and he would march out of the house. And that tore my heart because all I wanted to do was love on them, but there seemed to be a limit to my love. But my gracious heart to love on my neighbors was overshadowed with two thoughts. The first thought was, I don't have time for this. We had just moved into our house. I needed to redecorate my kitchen and paint walls and do my gardens. And I needed to sign my girls up for soccer and different activities. I don't have time for this. The second thing that ran through my head was I feared that I had opened a can of worms and that I ruined our chances of being happy in our neighborhood. This message today that I want to give you is about two of the barriers that inhibit us from loving on our neighbors, and that is time and fear. The authors of the churchwide book that we're reading is The Art of Neighboring. They use the narrative in Luke 10 to describe to us the direction of our heart. This narrative is about two sisters that invite Jesus and his disciples uh, to their home. And um, Martha immediately gets busy, hustling, bustling, preparing the meal. And Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. 
Martha quickly gets frustrated with her lazy sister, her sloth-like behavior, and she goes to Jesus and complains. And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Martha, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is a narrative in scripture that tends to stir up discord in our hearts because we tend to take sides. If you're a Mary or a Martha in this room, you've already developed the defense for why you did what you did. But I don't think it's gender specific. I think there are Martys in this room and Marios in this room that have the same predicament. They quickly generate a clear defense for their personality type. We gotta have Marys in this world and we gotta have Marthas in this world. Well, granted, there are historically significant reasons that surround gender stereotypes that prompted Martha's response and reaction to the situation. Women were expected to be preparing the meals. But Jesus was simply pointing out the direction of her heart. He was not trying to change any historical norms. He was just pointing out the direction of Mary's heart was on one thing. Perhaps you have studied um, this passage or heard different sermons about it um, that defended Mary or Martha but I want to make it transparent for you today. We're on Mar Mary's side. So the authors really want us to actually look at the obvious things that are happening in the scripture. With Mary, we see that she listened and she absorbed. With Martha, she talked and commanded. With Mary, she sat down, she was present. She rested. Martha rushed around. She was busy. She had no time for fellowship or relationship. It was all task-oriented. Mary was humble. Martha was indignant. Mary focused on the one thing, and Martha, rightfully so, was unfocused and focused on many different things that had to be done. Mary was peaceful and free of any oppression or duties that she must do that were speaking in her head. She was able somehow to push that back and just be free and peaceful. Martha was trusting, was uh, hindered and worried. She simply had no time for this. She was frantic. Mary was trusting Jesus, and Martha was trusting her own abilities. Mary was concerned with godly things, and Mary, Martha was concerned with worldly things. Mary knew that Jesus was the key for her help, but Martha thought that Mary was the key for her help. And finally, the obvious, 
that Mary welcomed Jesus into her heart, and Martha just welcomed her, him into her home. It's all just a matter of heart. The authors use this narrative to highlight two possible directions of our heart. Church, we can have hearts that are focused on the one thing, and God will take care of all of the other things. Or we can have hearts that are focused on many crazy things in our life, and we never get around to focus on the one thing. We tend to have over-busy lives that crowd out a relationship with God. We have many to-do lists, and I am a to-do list person on my kitchen counter. There's always a to-do list. I put them all over my computer at work, <laughs> little sticky notes. So I understand that need to write to-do lists, but we do tend to approach our day with all of these tasks that we have to do, never taking a time to pause and say, Lord, I want to make a to-do list for you today. What should I put on your to-do list? We have enormous busyness. We have uh, an obsession with buying stuff. And now that the internet with Amazon and Craigslist and I don't even know all the different places you can buy stuff, you can buy other people's stuff on it too. But we have this obsession with that, that selfishness and worry and fear consume our lives. So the authors of the book really wanted to take some time to point out that we have time and fear as barriers for loving our neighbors. We have to redirect our heart. We have a scripture that I love, which is Proverbs 27, 19. And in this scripture, it says, as water reflects the face, so too your life reflects your heart. So we have to find a way for our life to reflect our heart. So we're going to explore time first, and there are three important lies that we need to overcome regarding time barriers. The first lie is simply, everybody say it, I'm too busy. I'll wait until things settle down, right? If I just asked everyone to raise their hand, they would have agreed with that. We seem to say, when my kids get older, I can love my neighbors. When my parents are settled in a nursing home, I can love my neighbors. When my kid gets their driver's license and I don't have to be a taxi anymore, I can love my neighbors. We want to wait for absolute peace and quiet, the perfect season in our lives before we can bend our hearts to love our neighbors. The reality is that life never settles down. When we move out of one season, we move into the next season. When we move out of that season, we move into the next season. We are just moving from seasons to seasons in our life, and there will always be busyness and chaos in them. Church, read for me with gusto the words in red. When it gets to the bold print, I really want to hear it. So do that again. 
things. was amazing. Thank you. So we have to love our neighbors while life is going on around us. We have to, we need to make loving our neighbors part of that season that we're in. The second lie that we need to, um, that we need to recognize as a barrier and that we tell ourselves is that more will be enough. I, I have to acquire certain things before I am comfortable with loving my neighbors. I will make time to love my neighbors after I redecorate my kitchen and buy new stoves and refrigerators, or I buy a camper or a boat, or uh, purchase various things that I need to have in my life. If we use our time to collect stuff, 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 and more stuff, then we can't have hearts that turn to God. We seem to say, subconsciously, I have to get enough to be enough to love others. Listen to Luke 12, 18 through 21. And it speaks of, uh, Jesus is speaking about the farmer who had a surplus of crops, so he decided to tear down his barns and build bigger ones. This is from Luke 12. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Being rich toward God is a necessity in our life so that the richness of his grace and the richness of his love can be abundantly poured out on our neighbors. Church, will you read for me the words in red and remember the bold print? Thank you. <laughs> You're so fun. The third lie regarding a time barrier is that everybody has a busy life. 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 Church. Christians are not supposed to look like everybody. Listen to these scriptures that tell us what we should look like. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. 
Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Galatians 2, 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It is I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We simply can't say everybody's busy. My mother used to say, if everyone jumped out the window, would you jump out the window too? Raise your hand if your mom ever said that to you. Okay. We are not called to be everybody. When our children would leave our house when they were growing up, especially after they got their license, we would say, remember that you are in the Hoy family and we know lots of people in the community and it's going to get back to us. We didn't want them to look like everybody. We are not called to be like everybody. We have to remember whose we are and what, who we should reflect. Church, could you please read to me the letters in red and bold? Amen. So those are the three lies that we have to bust through to get through the time barriers in our life that hinder us from loving on our neighbors. Now I want to take for a few moments and just look at our fears. We have two primary fears that we all have regarding loving our neighbors. The first fear is a fear of harm. We truly worry about ourselves being harmed, our children being harmed, our property being harmed. We have real fears regarding that because we all watch the news and we all get in this frenzy of fear that we think that we can never extend love to someone because they might hurt us in our neighborhood if we get too close to them. The second fear is the fear of rejection. We seem to think that if we extend kindness, conversation, love to our neighbors, that we will be rejected and slapped down. And that is a real fear that we have to overcome. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. As Christians, we do not have a spirit of fear. We have power, love, and a sound mind. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Would you say that with me? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I find this interesting. Our authors pointed out this very um, true statement and listen to their quote. Most of us have been conditioned to be afraid of our neighbors and they have been conditioned to be afraid of us. But someone has to break 
the cycle of fear. Someone has to break the cycle of fear. Well, if we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind, who do you suppose is going to break the cycle? We are the body of Christ. That is our call. Say it with me again. I'm going to go back here. Here we go. Say it with me again. For God but of power and love and a sound mind. We have that power within us to overcome that cycle. So very quickly, I want to share with you um, <laughs> my continued story of Dylan and Evan. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> so for the first month, our house was in dis disarray. My heart was in distress, our family was in distress, my husband who would come home from work to chaos and confusion was in distress. And I laid it before God in prayer. And I said, oh Lord, I love these boys, but I can't do this. And in prayer, God gave me a revelation. And the revelation was red flag, green flag. We had a clothesline in between our property. So when the boys could come over and play, the green flag was up. When the boys couldn't come over and play, the red flag was up. It was marvelous. Even when the boys were at our house and we had had enough for the day, I could hang up the red flag and I could say, boys, the red flag is up, and they would go home. <laughs> Dylan still did this. I hate that red flag, Miss Peggy. But it was a beautiful thing. It created harmony in the opportunity to love on our neighbors. I realized that I really didn't have a plan from the start. My behavior was haphazard, zany, crazy, oopsie-daisy, and I was in a pickle. But once we started using the red flag and green flag, peace and harmony happened. We had established healthy boundaries and now we could love on the parents as well, inviting them over for dinners and campfires. And they were not a Christian family, but God provided this opportunity for us to invite them to vacation Bible school, and you better believe we did. And uh, to come, when I led children's choir, to come and sing with the choir. It was a divine opportunity, and we knew we were planting seeds of grace. So loving our neighbors is not something God calls to do in our haphazard, zany, crazy, oopsie-daisy way. It is a commandment to do, but we have to prayerfully make plans on how we're going to do that. God makes plans for us, you know. God makes plans for us. Some of you might be familiar with the scripture. Could you all read it to me, please? God has plans for you. He's not haphazard, zany, crazy, oopsie-daisy. God has plans for you. 
He knows your days before you live them. He knows your words before you speak them. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows your blessings before you receive them. He has plans for you. He had plans to send his son Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior over our lives, to die on the cross so that we could be free of our sins and condemnation and walk in righteousness with him. He has plans for your life. And through the commandment of love your neighbor, he desires that you would make plans to love your neighbors too. So what is your plan? It is likely that you already have plans that you're working on. I know I spoke with Karen Hansen and she's going to have a garden party. And she's going to invite people to her garden party. But many of you may not have any plans because your life is completely out of balance. And you have too many time barriers and fears to overcome. Our author points out three of the life balancing principles that we need to follow to enable us to love our neighbors. The first one is we have to make the main thing the main thing. That sounds a lot like the one thing that Mary was participating in. The second one is we have to eliminate and monitor our time stealers, right? TV, social media, buying things online, um, attending a uh, number of activities with our kids. We have to truly monitor and we have to make sure that we're not letting our time be stolen from us. And the last one is we have to be interruptible. Don't miss the blessing. Allow yourself to be interrupted. If I had the time, and I wish I did, I'd start handing around the microphone and asking people, when did you let God interrupt your day? And how was his love poured out on another? So we have to apply these principles to our life to break through the time and the fear barriers so that we can love our neighbors. And that love can come in many different ways. That love can be simply being present and having conversations or delivering cakes and pies or inviting your neighbors to dinner or campfires or getting your neighbors together to do a book study or perhaps even a Bible study if you were so brave to do that. I have a testimony today from um, Jeanette McConnell, who thought she wasn't going to be here, but she's here today. Uh, but we did uh, pre-record her testimony, and I want to show it to you. Um, it is about a year, over a year ago that we did a Living the Five church-wide study. And her testimony is about how she sends God calling her to do a neighborhood Bible study and how she had to make time and get over some fears. So go ahead and show that. I'm much too busy. I'm already doing my part for Jesus, and I don't know my neighbors well enough. What will they think of me? No one would come for a Bible study. I've never taught a ladies Bible study before. What do I know? 
And I don't have time for this. Reading, preparing, praying, calling people. Do I want my neighbors to know the real me? I was feeling fear, rejection, doubt, lack of knowledge, poor self-confidence, and no time. Have you made the same excuses when you have felt God's tug on your spirit? That nudge that Pastor Aaron talks about? Did you hear all the times I was part of my excuses? When all my excuses were considered, they all boiled down to my own selfishness and pride. I was allowing the enemy to influence my decision instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to grant what I needed to obey the Lord. Quite honestly, when pastors Aaron and Peggy challenged us last year to lead five alive sessions about how Christians can witness about Jesus' salvation, I felt God's urging in my own spirit that he wanted me to share those videos with ladies in my country neighborhood. Me do that. <laughs> I ignored the challenge, but the Holy Spirit did not stop reminding me, moving in me. His invitation to reach out to others would not be silent. I never felt as though he was nagging me or pushing me, demanding me to accept. I knew that leading the Bible study was ultimately my choice, but the feeling of knowing it was the right thing to do, the right choice for me to obey his calling me would not go away. I couldn't let the feeling go. Finally, I began to pray and ask God to give me signs and evidence if he really wanted me to serve him like this. Wouldn't you know? Scriptures, devotions, even songs had a theme such as God is able, trust and obey the Lord, he will provide. Scriptures like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Don't forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifice God is pleased. Okay, I get your message, Lord. I finally realized, at least two months later, that if I simply said yes to God, he would not fail me. He would give me the time, guidance, courage, and confidence I needed to share his message with the people he loves. Well, all nine ladies, ages 16 to 84, responded to my invitation to the Five Alive Sessions last summer in my home around the kitchen table. We still meet once a month and we share what we have learned from a Max Licato book about how to love one another. We laugh, cry, love and encourage each other with a bond only Christ can create. We all live within a half a mile of each other, but really didn't know one another before we started. Four denominations and the unchurched are represented. Since last June, God has given us a love and tenderness for each other, helping, encouraging, and praying through the deaths of a son, a husband, a dear niece, and one of the ladies giving birth to a sweet baby, and even the emotional support to the 16-year-old getting her driver's license. <laughs> Well, 
all of my excuses amounted to nothing. The enemy was overcome and our neighborhood is stronger, more vital and loving because of the answer of a call to serve. Sounds like a spiritual breakthrough. I was surprised. Perhaps God will surprise you as well. I thought there was, I'm sorry, Joe, I thought there was a picture of the, the women. Can you get that up, the picture of the women in that study? I tell you what, Miss Jeanette really did some wrestling with God and got over her time fears. If, if not, that's okay. That's okay, Joe. Um, and, uh, and God was good. He was faithful. So I thank you for that testimony. Church, I encourage you to break through the barriers of time and fear in your life so that you can be intentional about loving your neighbors. Some of you already busted through some fear, um, anxiety this morning as you did meet and greet and moved your seat. And I'm proud of you for doing that. Some of you didn't, and you've got to work on that. As we enter into our prayer time, uh, the band is already in place and our uh, prayer station uh, attendees can get to their spots, please. And here's what I encourage you to do in our prayer time this morning. Consider your time barriers and consider your fears. Be brave and courageous and go to a prayer station and just lay them down before Jesus and the prayer team will graciously pray over you that God would remove those barriers. Lord God, let these words not fall to the floor today. Guide our hearts, I pray, so that we may walk in unity with you, break through those barriers that hinder your love that we can pour out on other people. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. 